Let's continue our study of being good Christian citizens and living under President Barack Obama, who was just reelected this past Tuesday. Lord, lead us in this study and bless us to understand your word and to apply it and to encourage ourselves in the Lord. David one time was facing his own friend, stoning him to death in 1 Samuel chapter 30 when horrible things had happened to him. And it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's what we want to do. And some of the things that I have here, and you saw some of them on Wednesday evening, I hope will help encourage you in the Lord. Remember, this is our summary so far. God gave us Barack Obama for another term. Believe it and trust him. That is, trust the God that put Barack Obama in office. Honor him. That is President Obama. Obey him, pay him, pray for him, and give thanks for him because that's what the Bible teaches us. Right. Eat, drink, and be merry. God will take care of us under this president. Hate fear and fear mongers. They deny faith. They undermine it. They sow rebellion. And it ends up in sedition. Right. Sedition being the attempted overthrow of an established government. Be cheerful. Let's be cheerful. Let's be positive. Let's be thankful, especially today. But all the time, as godly, contented Christians, because that's what God has called us to be. Let's remember the 60s. I did this with you Wednesday evening. I'm, I have expanded it, and I have reordered it. And let's do it again for the lesson that it contains. And I have heard from people outside of our church who were very pleased and impressed and convicted by this little segment of the study as well because it made them think soberly and realistically. I hope that this fits with what I said earlier, that I was ashamed before the Lord sitting in my pew this morning of some of the passages that we were reading because they don't relate at all to our situation in America in 2012. Right. Uh, there's no pestilence and there's no arrows flying and there's no danger and there's no armies encamping against us. There's no threat of us losing our lives or anything like that. And so we should be very careful because if you think there's anything dangerous right now to be afraid of, you are someone that we cannot trust at all in the future when there are real threats. We have no threats. Nothing happened in government. But there could be. And most likely there will be. And we want to be prepared for it. Let's not get caught up in things being so bad right now. You are forgetting the 60s. The 60s were 50 years ago when they were horrible in this country. God brought us fathers, and I'm speaking to those that are 50 years of age or older, through a tough decade to trust Him. It's one of the lessons in our lives. God brought us like God had taken the fathers of Israel through some tough experiences in their lives. In the 60s, there were many reasons to greatly fear many things. Since the 60s, there have been 50 years of great peace and prosperity, great liberties, great freedoms, explosion of the way that we live and the luxurious way that, in which we live. Let's forget politics and, and their games of politicians and let's live for Christ and His kingdom and let's remember God has brought us through difficult times before. Now this is an election that took place 52 years ago. 13 elections ago, John F. Kennedy, John Fitzgerald Kennedy was elected the president of this country. He got those 272 electoral votes, just three over what he needed. He only won by 112,000 votes, or 0.16% of the popular vote over, President, uh, over Nixon, Richard Nixon, who later became a president. 
But I want you to think about this. This was November 1960 when John F. Kennedy was elected the president of this country. Even the Democrats didn't think that he could win in the early stages of his campaign because he was a Catholic, a staunch Roman Catholic family. JFK, a Catholic? See, I want you to be thinking about what you thought on Wednesday morning and relating it to 1960, because this is what Christians were saying in in America. This is what a, a good Baptist that understood the Bible would be saying. JFK, a Catholic? He will be loyal to the Pope, not to America. When he puts his hand in the Bible and gives and takes his oath of office, he's going to be thinking about the Vatican. He's going to be thinking about Mecca. Been there and done that 52 years ago. He's going to be loyal to the Pope, not to America. JFK, he's just the first of Joseph Kennedy's sons and part of his fantasy of building a Kennedy dynasty. That's all that is. He doesn't care about our country. He's just doing what daddy wants him to do, and daddy's rich and powerful. His daddy bought the election. Coming from a rich liberal family, that's not who we need as our president. We need somebody who loves America. JFK, he only won by 0.16% of the popular vote. That's unfair. Go Nixon. JFK, he was elected by the help of Democrat big city bosses. The last election in which the big city... Go, just go punch it into a Google search box. The last election in which the big city bosses of the Democratic Party helped elect a man. So all these thoughts, as we open up the decade of the 60s with the election of a Catholic, and I want you to make the comparison 52 years later of the things that you've thought or the things that you could say, we shouldn't. We've been there before 52 years ago, and God took care of us. Right. I want you to think about the 60s. Think nuclear war. This is just a few of the items that happened in that decade. Think about the USSR. Moral collapse of our nation. The hippies everywhere. Cuba with Fidel Castro with his army fatigue hat. And Soviet missiles on his island. The race riots we had in our streets. The Vietnam draft. Widespread drug use. Inflation for the first time. Rock and roll rebellion, etc., etc. is the 60s. Conservative Christians saw a communist takeover before 1970. We wouldn't make it out of the 60s. Things were falling apart too fast. After all, we had a Catholic president. The phenomenon of survivalists started in this decade. Why? Do you know what these people would do? Go find a cave or some lonely place in some place like the mountains of North Carolina and live there from hand to mouth grinding their own wheat while they lost out on the 50 most prosperous years in the history of America. Survivalism. They're nutcases. They ruin the reputation of Christians. Christians have never been told to go live like survivalists. If you want to find a survivalist in the Bible, then go find Gideon hiding his wheat behind the wine press. But... Please understand that what happened in the days of Gideon has never happened in the days of America. And nothing's even close to it. But this kind of mentality is what I mean by a fear monger. Things are going to be so bad, you need to be far away from any population center so that the fallout from the nuclear bombs doesn't melt you and your kids. And on and on it went. An industry of doomsdayers began. 
with organizations like the John Birch Society that made it their mission to spread as many sinister tales about government as they could discover or make up. Mistrust, mistrust led to fantasy, led to despising government, to rebellion, to sedition, and I've watched this happen, and those of you in here have seen it happen with me when we get to this part and we stop paying taxes and then we go and tell others that they shouldn't either. That's how it happens. It happened in the 60s. See, six million of this book were sold in the early part of the 60s. I gave them out in an elementary school that I was going to. I was seven years old, but I was one wild advocate for Barry Goldwater back there in 1964, and he lost badly. It wasn't like Wednesday morning. It was rough. Now here's John F. Kennedy and... What's that other man's name? This guy. Khrushchev. Should we make some jokes about him right now? Should we say, go up thou bald head? And I'm not... Should we? Do the angels bring railing accusations against him before the Lord? No. Why? Because he's in an office God-ordained. There's the 60s. Boy, we had a good-looking president, didn't we? What are those two talking about? Maybe sugar. They might have been short of sugar in the Soviet Union. Communism. The blockade that we put on Cuba for a while. The missiles that were there. Remember, these are the kind of diagrams that were being spread in weekly readers and to America. That's a medium-range ballistic missile. And there's a long-range ballistic missile. And, uh-oh, South Carolina is not in a good situation. But it never happened. But they sure did make you think about it so that you went out and bought one of these. A bomb shelter for your backyard with canned food and canned water and bunks and a round design that would, it would take quite an impact if you had it underground properly. There's a nice family. Dad's even got his tie on there in the bomb shelter. <laughs> Remember back in the 60s, Dad wore his tie 24 hours a day. Remember, this wall went up in the early 60s. That's the Berlin Wall. And so we had an airlift to Berlin. All these negative things were happening. The reason I'm going through these slides, here's the reason. 50 years ago, there was more cause of fear and that the nation was going to be overrun from the inside or taken over from the outside than there is today. But nothing happened except 50 years of incredible prosperity. But doomsdayers, survivalists, fear mongers, You know, of course, the stock market is manipulated. Yes. Don't you know that? It goes up and down at the whims of the Illuminati as they sit at the table with Lucifer with candles burning in the dark. Oh, if survivalists had just put in their money instead of buying property in North Carolina in the stock market and not touched it. Not touched it. It went up 20 times in 50 years. Now you go home and calculate what kind of an internal rate of return from the stock market in the mid-60s to what it is today. Prosperity, pounding this country, God blessing this country. That president was assassinated. There's the funeral. There's one segment of our society, the political. A Catholic president and all the things that happened after that, his assassination... 
his brother running for president is assassinated, and the and some other things that I'll show re- involving politics. But I want you to remember that in the 60s, the political temperature of this country and the political fear in this country was great. Survivalists and doomsdayers and organizations and books like None Dare Call It Countries. None dare call it treason. See, I almost pronounced the book that came out in 1974, None Dare Call It Conspiracy. See, I've read those books. You may have heard about them. You may see pictures of them, but I read them from cover to cover, and I handed them out. I knew, I know about what's inside them. And what, how can you sell six million books like that unless the nation thinks you're going to hell in a handbasket in the next week or two? Joseph McCarthy had started it in the 50s. You know, he thought everybody in Congress except himself was a communist. But they're not. They're ignorant, I'll grant you that, and they're educated at the wrong institutions, but they're not all communists. It doesn't matter if they're communists or not, the Lord's able to use communists. There's good Christians in communist nations, and they're probably better than we are. This is the, this is the British invasion. The British lost the Revolutionary War to us, but they won again in the 1960s when they sent the Beatles to us, when they sent the Rolling Stones to us. Look at those boys. Aren't those fine, upstanding young men? Wouldn't you like them to take your daughter away and make her Mrs. Stone or Mrs. Jagger? Or the Who? This was so funny. Brethren, I was at home working on Thursday night like I should have been, but after I presented what I did on Wednesday evening, did you know that the Who... Peter Townsend and the rest of them, uh, Dalton and the boys, were at the Bilo Center in this little town on Thursday night, shaking Greenville down. You know, now they're on oxygen and they have wheelchairs to get them to their limos. But they were here. Not really. But anyway, I I I thought that was quite amusing. Deborah, were you home? Deborah Richard, I hope she was home on Thursday evening. Sister, I'm just, I know you were. Here's cream. These groups, three of these groups appeared at this place. Woodstock, 1969, 500,000 on a 600-acre farm in New York. There's what the crowd looked like. We had a brother in this church that was there. He's over 60. He was born in England. You can figure out who he is. Well, there's one of the leaders of that Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix. He was a bright man. Died by suffocating on his own vomit from a drug overdose, as did many rock musicians of that era, many of them. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and so forth. Yep, that's one of the drugs they sure liked. LSD. Trip out on LSD. Then you could look like that. You didn't know where you were or what you were doing. Or you could try this one. You might like it. Look at him. He looks like he's enjoying it. Or you could give it to baby to see if baby would enjoy it. Yes. Or you could go for a ride in your bus. Hippies. The reason I'm going over these pictures is not to entertain you. It is to make you think that 50 years ago, there were so many social, moral, musical, political events happening in the world, in our country, that there was great cause for alarm, fear, and a prognostication that we wouldn't make it to 70. And if we made it to the 70s, we wouldn't make it past 1976, because after all, Jack Van Empe was preaching nationwide that the communists were going to take over officially, formally, and publicly at Liberty Bell in Philadelphia on the 4th of July, 1976. 
Yes. He doesn't know what he's talking about today, and he, did, he certainly didn't know what he was talking about then. Amen. It's all about love. The love, man. Feel my groove. I had a brother who saw our Wednesday night presentation write me a couple of days later and said, that study was far out, man. It was groovy. <laughs> For those of you that can remember somebody very high on drugs, all they could say is, far out, man. Far out. Groovy. But you had to have lived through it. The nation was sick. And it happened so fast. It was shocking to adults. This is Watts. This is a suburb of Los Angeles. It was 30 miles from our sister Deborah as she grew up in Southern California. I hope you can see that burned out, turned upside down cars all over the place. You know, in this nice five-lane boulevard, it was a terrible riot that lasted for several days. This is Newark, New Jersey, in 1967, two years later. You know, I hope you can see a truckload of soldiers. I hope you can see this armored personnel carrier. How would you like your sidewalks lined with situations like that? This was the 60s. The point is, and I say it again, the Lord led the people of Israel through many events that are recorded in the Bible. I'm showing you some from our own country when the nation did not think it would survive and Christians did not think we would survive. The communists would take over America from the inside, the outside, or both together. They thought we had a whole bunch of traitors in Congress, in the White House, and that they were going to work together with Khrushchev. They forget all about human pride, human ignorance. They forget all those things as if John F. Kennedy did not have a little bit of testosterone in him and what he thought about the, the man sitting next to him in an earlier picture. This is Detroit, 1967. These pictures I showed you on Wednesday evening. There's blocks burned out. Detroit, Michigan, 1967. Ugly situation. Raged for days. 43 people killed. Blocks burned. We had demonstrations in our streets and marches from city to city in the south, demanding jobs and full-time employment, equal pay filling the, the streets of cities. In Washington, D.C., I have a dream speech. This at the 1968 Olympics, the Black Power Salute, while our national anthem's being played. Demonstrations in the street, in the South, trying to maintain some law and order. Let's jump back to the political spectrum. Do the angels bring railing accusation against this man? Before the Lord. Last name? Brezhnev. Leonid Brezhnev. They love to show these pictures, and we would have them in Life and Time magazine to help foster fear in America that we could have a nuke hit us at any time because they threatened to do that to us. We had the president of our country, President Johnson, take the silver out of our coins so that our coins no longer had any real value, even though our Constitution had said that Congress shall not make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debt. He said, don't hoard your silver. Just turn it over to us and we'll take good care of it. And this is what quarters look like from 1964 on. Copper core... No value for copper back in those days, but a few pennies an ounce. Nickel layer. But I want you to notice 
that the coins had reeded edges. They're called serrated edges. The reason a coin would ever have a serrated edge is because in the past, inflation was done by taking coins and scraping them with a knife. And if all the coins that passed through the treasury of a government were scraped just a little bit, yes, the coins got smaller, you ought to see a historical, the historical change in Roman coins that went from being that big to being that big over, over many decades because they would scrape them. So coins have serrated edges put on them to show if a coin is full weight or not. If you had a silver dollar or if you had a gold liberty, $20 gold piece, you would want to make sure that the serrated edges were there so that that coin was full weight. That's why you have those little notches on the edge. Now listen, nobody's ever scraped copper or nickel. But we got reeded edges and serrated edges on our sandwich coins. But do our sandwich coins buy gas? Do they, do they buy everything that we need? Do our truncated pyramids on our Federal Reserve notes buy everything we need? Yes. You say to me, but it may not buy everything we need in the future. And who is going to protect you? Because I want to ask the return on your portfolio since the mid-1960s. The Lord is going to take care of us, not serrated edges or gold and silver. That doesn't mean there isn't a place for prudence. This is a nice little picture. This is telling you what happened in the 1960s. A quarter could buy a gallon of gas and give you $2 back. Now, wait a minute. How can you get $2 changed from a quarter? That's because that quarter is made from silver, but it was taken out of our coins in 1964. The only reason I would show this is in case you needed something that was going on in the 60s that was economically oriented, that appeared to be stealing wealth from the American people in the mid-60s. I'm showing you that it happened 50 years ago, and we have had an explosive boom for 50 years with little ebbs and flows here and there. But overall, it just continues to go right up. Here is our Supreme Court of the United States. They voted against this. That's prayer. They voted against this. That's the Bible. And they voted for this. In Boston, transport whites across town to go to black schools, transport blacks across town to go to white schools. Federal officers would come to some of the first students. This is a little girl getting quite an escort to an elementary school. And there they are taking her into that elementary school. Integration's a mortal sin. The quotation is from 1 Esdras. What Bible would you need to find 1 Esdras in it? Catholic Bible. This happened in the 1960s. I remember this distinctly. Her name was Mary Caldrone, who was the leader of SICUS, Sexuality Information Education Council of the United States, a lobbying organization to get explicit sexual education in our schools in the early 60s. This is when private Christian schools exploded. This event had more to do with the explosion of Christian schools maybe than any other single event. This is in the 60s, 50 years ago. Demonstrations. I knew all, I knew all about them. I was raised knowing about Mary Caldrone in the early 60s when I was 7, 8, 9, 10 years of age. We had people demonstrating against the draft in our streets. Kent State University, demonstration against the war in Vietnam. National Guardsmen get a little trigger happy. 
demonstrations against the war in Vietnam. President Johnson in Vietnam. Tet Offensive, 1968. We won't fight another rich man's war. Demonstrations in our streets. White and blacks together against the war. Military police protecting installations from demonstrators. End the war madness. Our country from World War II when boys would lie about their age to get into the war because they wanted to fight for their country to that. But they're all listening to rock and roll music and everything is far out and groovy. Black Panther offices in Los Angeles. Six-day war in Israel. Socialist experiments in China that cost millions of lives of their own people. Assassination of Martin Luther King. Malcolm X. Assassinated by his own people. Robert F. Kennedy. His murderer still sits in the prison system of California. Can you think of a name? Sirhan Sirhan. That's what the clothing did in just a few years. That's what a skirt looked like. How much does that cover? This is what happened to hair length. Pretty big difference. You got to go look at yearbooks of the high school you went to for 1960 and the yearbook for the high school you went to if it was a public school of 1970. Pretty is that a pretty big difference? How about these boys? Did they change? In 10 years. Ties, white shirts, short hair, ears showing to that. Four effeminate women. High most of the time. Religion, Indian gurus. They took several trips to India to be, to be enlightened by the Hindu gurus. This little device, transistor radio, brought the music of the, the British invasion right into teenagers' pockets. The old trick in school was to sit there looking at the teacher with your hand like this, holding your head up. The transistor radio is in your pocket and the little earphone cord is running from the transistor radio in your pocket, in your shirt, up your shirt sleeve, and into your ear. Why? Because rock and roll music was absolutely fascinating to the American teenager. A, a music of rebellion. It went, went right along with that long hair. It's a shame for a man to have long hair. They grew their long hair to say that they hated the establishment. They wouldn't fight the establishment's wars any longer. They wouldn't go to work with the establishment. They wanted handouts. They wanted to live on hippie communes. They wanted to make love, not war, they said. The change in, in a few years... If you didn't live through it, you can't fully appreciate what I am trying to tell you. It was so much worse than today. In the streets, in the schools, concerted efforts, nationally, internationally. And there were preachers just feeding on it, a feeding frenzy. Carl McIntyre. His radio program was called the 20th Century Reformation Hour. Every morning, 
blasting away. He was a political prophet. He made his money while the sun was shining in the way of doomsday. He wasn't preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a, he was huge in America. Carl McIntyre. You can go punch in and read about him. And as soon as the fear went away in the seventies and eighties and nineties, totally disappeared. His massive work in New Jersey, the last time somebody went to visit it, I'm not exaggerating, there was less people sitting in it than on one hand, than you can count on one hand, from thousands. All he did was preach about communists taking over America. That was his religion. That was his platform. It was very popular in those days to mix politics with the preaching of the gospel. I heard some of those men. I heard Jack Van Empey. I heard Ken Dotson. I knew about Carl McIntyre. I heard his radio program. Czechoslovakia, 1968. The Soviet Union flexes its muscles on a disobedient child in Eastern Europe. Gary Francis Gary Powers is shot down in our U-2 spy plane over the Soviet Union. 50-year anniversary of Medicare when the government's getting more involved in taking care of us instead of people being taught to take care of themselves. That was in 1963. 50-year anniversary is next year for Medicare. First black American on the Supreme Court. And this was the business he was in before he was put on the Supreme Court. Demonstrating in our streets. Brown versus the Board of Education. The USS Pueblo, taken in international waters. 82 U.S. sailors held captive for one year in North Korea, and we didn't do anything. 1963, the the formation of NOW, National Organization of Women, demanding that they have equal pay, equal offices in government, etc. Remember the 60s. Don't get caught up in things being so bad right now. You're forgetting Bible history, world history, and our own history in the 60s. Our lifetimes, those of us that are over 50. God brought us through a tough decade so that we can learn to trust Him. There were lots of reasons to fear many things back then. But since the 60s, there's been 50 years of great peace and prosperity. The Lord has overridden what we thought was going to happen. The Lord has preserved this nation. It's contrary to what you would expect, a nation that spends what this nation spends, the imperialistic efforts of this nation in all quarters of the earth, the money policies of this country, the religious policies, the moral degradation of the country, the endorsement of sodomy, abortion, and so on. For the sake of the righteous in it, God's preserved it. He said he would save Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain if Abraham could find ten righteous souls. Forget politics, politicians and their games. Let's live for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Let's make that the center and the the ambition of our hearts. But before the 60s, let me give you a little bit more. Who would have thought America would defeat England in 1775? Who could have thought that America could defeat England? Did we? Yes. With a ragtag little army that shouldn't have won. But God blessed them to win. How bad was the Civil War? Do you think you should be afraid about what happened Wednesday morning when you found out that President Barack Obama was reelected? Do you know what it was like living through the Civil War? As a percentage of our population, it was six times more killing done than World War II when we lost 425,000 men killed. KIA. 
It's a horrible war, but we survived. Lincoln printed paper greenbacks to finance his side of it. FDR outlawed outlawed owning gold in 1933. As soon as he took office, the first act of his office was, you could not own gold. It was against the law. Can you own gold today? Can you own a lot of gold? Yes. Can you get options on gold so that you can own more gold than you can afford? Yes, yes, and yes. What's happened? Well, things are looser now than they were then. The Federal Reserve System passed in 1913. The IRS, same year, 1913. Women's suffrage, the worst thing that could ever been done for electing. If you want to complain on Wednesday morning, don't complain about President Obama or the media. Complain about women being allowed to vote. Just go look at the gender distinct, just the gender breakdown of who votes for President Obama versus Governor Romney. And just go right back through all the elections. It's just what God told us. That's another subject for another time. But it happened. And you know, it didn't happen until 1920. Women couldn't vote in this country. Slaves could after the Civil War. Male slaves. Male blacks that had been slaves. Look at the Great Depression. This was 1929 to 1939. That's 10 years long. It was ugly. There were soup lines. People were poor. There was a 90% stock decline. And you get worried because you see a 2% over a week or something? 90%. 25% unemployed. Not 9, not 12, not 15. 25. That was the Great Depression. It was before the 60s. Did we survive? Did Christians survive? They did. Our grandfathers lived through it. Communist revolution overthrowing Russia, 1917. The 1918 influenza, obviously God sent a pestilence to kill 600,000 here and 50 million worldwide. Two world wars costing millions and millions of lives, but hundreds of thousands for our country and so much capital. The New Deal was a socialist experiment in this country in 1933 with Franklin Roosevelt, our president. A war in Korea. Those are, that's before the 60s. What about after the 60s? President Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971. No longer was the U.S. dollar backed by gold. America officially began killing babies in 1973. Of course we don't approve of killing babies. Of course if they command us to kill our babies, we're going to keep them alive just like Moses' parents kept him alive. But this passed in 1973, nearly 40 years ago, and the nation continues to survive because God is preserving it and blessing it for the sake of the righteous in it. And I want this church to be the righteous that saved the nation. And we're not, we're going to do it by righteous living, not by writing petitions or voting. Silver hit $50 in the early 80s. $50 an ounce. Unbelievable. The world is coming to an end. 1980, March. Mortgages hit 16%. What would your payment be if your mortgage was at 16%? Yes, 3% now. Who wants to complain? Am I giving anybody something to talk about at lunch? Does anybody have a bond calculator with them or a mortgage calculator that can tell us very quickly what the mortgage payment would be for a certain amount of money at 20, at 16%? I don't have one with me anymore. 22% prime rate in the early 80s. The world's coming to an end. It can't go on this way. Inflation was 12%, 14%. The world's coming to an end. And so inflation's what now? 1, 2%? 
assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan in 1983 and AIDS uh, identified in 1983. The stock market dropped 22% in one day, October 19th, 1987, called Black Monday. That was a fascinating day. 22% in one day. Trillions wiped out in one day. The world's got to be coming to an end. No, it's the time to buy so that you can ride it back up over the next three days. After the 60s, Operation Desert Storm in Iraq, the L.A. riots in 92, the dot-com collapse. All those Internet companies, or the vast majority of them, including the ones that you think are so dear today, had a $5 trillion loss. 80% of their value disappeared in a few days. That was in 2000. The world's got to be coming to an end. The terrorism of 9-11, it doesn't matter where the terrorism originated. There was, a, there was a loss of life and a huge event to the American public. A second invasion of Iraq in 2003. The global financial crisis that started in 2007 that affected us in our banks, that affected us in housing. Huge collapse in housing prices. Is the world coming to an end? No. The classic, Y2K. The fear monger said the world was coming to an end one way or another. This is it. This is the Donnybrook. This is the end of the world. This is Armageddon. This is Revelation 20 and 19 and 21 and 14, 16 and 18, all combined. It was unbelievable. And there are Christian authors that went wild with it and wrote books about how the world was coming to an end and how to survive. You were going to need to go out and live in the woods and become self-sufficient. Conservatives, survivalists, and patriots were worst of all. These Christians and patriots, and I have it in quotation marks because they're neither, love to sell fear. And this guy deserves to be named. Because every time there is any event that he can write another novel about, forecasting the end of the world or danger for Christians, he'll do it. Typical for doomsday ideas and fear mongers. Typical how much happened. Nothing happened. The classic. Fearmonger tactics. Very quickly. They claim to insider information for secret conspiracies and plans. It's so discouraging to have to even talk about this. If they know it, it can't be insider information because they would be the last people on the planet to know it. We do believe in classified, top-secret, insider information. I appreciate someone at break time telling me that they appreciate the point in the first study session this morning, this first sermon this morning, that the angels are the watchers and the holy ones, and they know the will of God, and they execute the will of God, and they're our servants. They're the ones that know the future. God knows the future. But there is no such thing as insider information. Go back and go back and do a search for any insider information of the last 50 years, none of it's come to pass. None of it. The largest John Birch Society meeting that I ever went to that gathered several hundred in the, in the city of Howell, Michigan, back in the early 70s, was during the time of the oil embargo. The oil embargo was when the Arabs wanted to jack up oil a little bit, and you can't blame them at all. We were the big users. Who wouldn't want to get as much as they could for a gallon? Of course, the Arabs... Having an an oil embargo and so forth was all part of a political conspiracy. And the political conspiracy was to raise the price of transportation so high that we would not be able to have free transportation in this country any longer. 
I distinctly remember it. I distinctly remember the name of the speaker. I was a teenager. I was driving my GTO and it wasn't good on gas. And it was expensive to drive it. Uh, can you drive to California this afternoon over the next two or three days if you want to? How many checkpoints are you going to be stopped at? In real terms, are you paying very much for gasoline? No. It's unbelievable. They didn't have a clue of what they were talking about. But every event, if the president sneezes, if a tank is spotted where a citizen doesn't think the tank should be, though the citizens don't have any idea of where tanks should be, anything like that is given a sinister motive. We should not give sinister motives to our government any more than we want our wives and our children giving sinister motives to us. Right. Ridiculous, the oil embargo. They're going to take away our right for train. What state do you want to go to this afternoon? I'll drive with you. Let's just go drive. They move from one fantasy to the next, and they never deal with all their errors, all their forecasts that never came to pass. They twist every political event at a hidden and evil and a sinister motive. And they scare me for your sakes. I am jealous for your sakes. Because these people can now publish and send their junk anywhere they want because the internet is free. And so people send these emails around and forward emails and forward emails and forward emails until they've been forwarded so long that an email that was only 40 lines long when it gets to you is 40 pages long. Because it's been forwarded so many times. Why do you believe anything that you would get in an email? Or a website? Everything's got to be measured by the Word of God and a thinking person. Amen. They play on the rebellion of America and so-called liberty and independence because Americans want to think that there's something bad with authority because that's the foundation on which this nation was built. They disguise by a cloak of truth. We're only interested in the truth. We're patriots. We believe in God and country. And their websites will have pretty pictures of U.S. flags, pretty pictures of eagles, pretty pictures of a Bible. Like those three things belong on the same page together. I wasn't aware of why they belonged on the same page together. The reason they put them on the same page together is to seduce you. If they were really Christian, they would preach what I'm giving you today because that is from the Bible. If they were really Americans, they wouldn't be talking about the Bible because this is not a biblical nation. Their tactics. They imagine a network of secret organizations that lovingly cooperate with each other. All the Rothschilds love the Rockefellers, who love the Morgans, who love the Warburgs. They don't care who's Gentile, and they don't care who's Jew. They all love each other. There's no pride. There's no ambition among any of them. All they care about is... Taking your wealth because they want to get rich taking what you have in the bank. They ignore the ignorance of man. They never deal with that. Men are ignorant. They think that they are helping the nation. They are helping the economy by doing the things that they do. There doesn't have to be a conspiracy. It's just ignorance. And if you graduated with a degree in economics from any of their universities, you would understand that. You don't need a conspiracy. They legislate the stuff they do because they believe it. Exaggerate past organizations, Illuminati, persons, Rothschilds, who have no relevance today. 
the Rothschilds are a little tiny boutique investment banking company that the real banking companies could buy or sell on a daily basis. They accuse the rich of various conspiracies to share control. None of these men have pride. And again, they're accusing the rich, which Ecclesiastes 10 tells us not to do. I appreciate the men at break time who told me about a History Channel special called The Men That Built Our Country. The men who took enormous amounts of capital, enormous risk, and put it out there to build plants, build manufacturing enterprises, build ships, build railroads, build airlines, all of which common people cannot ever do. They have to do it. God gives them the ability. God gives them the capital. God gives them the foresight. God gives them the courage to go and do those things, and we benefit from them. They come out of hiding every time another current event causes fear. You know, after some of them were shamed with Y2K, they go into hiding for a while. The books are pulled. The websites are pulled. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. By March, those big websites were pulled because it was such a shame that they had been touting those websites for several years about how the world was coming to an end. So they jerked them, they go into hiding, and as soon as there is the next event, out they come. What would be the next event? Let's see, 2000, 2001, oh, uh, 9-11. As soon as 9-11 occurred, out they come, baby. They're back with a new book to sell, new websites to jerk your chain. What if President Bush personally lit a fuse in the World Trade Center. What if he did? So what? If you don't like it, move to Canada. You're not going to stop it. You're not going to expose them. You're not going to slow it. It doesn't help you one bit knowing it. You couldn't prove it if your life depended on it. And you look like an idiot to everyone that listens to you. You ruin your reputation. doesn't matter. You know, when, when they came to Jesus and said, Lord, the tower that fell in Siloam and killed 13, it, it may have been 18. It may even be another number. It's in Luke 13. When they came to Jesus and said that tower that fell, were those men more wicked than the rest of us? And Jesus said, no, they weren't. And except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He did not tell them who was behind the conspiracy. See, the next one was a conspiracy. Pilate killed some Jews while they were offering a sacrifice. Did Jesus want to talk about that? No. What was his whole answer to it? Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Do you know where I stand on 9-11? Except this nation repents, we shall all likewise perish as a nation. That's all that matters. That's all a Christian should care about. You can't prove anything beyond that. There is no value in proving anything beyond that. You will not slow anything down and you will not protect yourself. Our protection is in the hands of the Lord. The horse is prepared against the day of battle and you can prepare anything you want, but safety is of the Lord. Amen. Here's a rebuttal. If they know it, then the last thing it can be called is insider info. They're simple. They believe most anything without proof. If they knew something, they cannot and have not altered it. If they've ever known anything in the 50 years I've known them, they've never changed a thing. Countless insights over 50 years never occurred and have never been proven. We should be trusting in God and godly living because those are the only real responses to civil sin. When there is danger in our government or there is danger in our country or our country is morally wicked, 
We want to be the godly living in it so that God will have mercy upon us. He will have mercy upon the righteous even when the righteous aren't very righteous. But let's be very righteous. Let's be thankful. Let's fulfill everything the Bible tells us toward our politicians, our leaders, our rulers, so that the Lord will bless and protect us even if he has to destroy the nation. A patriot will never teach you more about being a better saint. A patriot's too interested in politics. To them, they'd rather quote Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson quotations don't mean anything to me, nor Ben Franklin's, nor George Washington's. Compared to the Word of God, they mean nothing to me. They scare me. And anybody that reads them scares me. Why are you looking to them for anything? Let's look to this. We are citizens of a different nation. We are strangers and pilgrims in America. Their forecasts make a mock of Christianity like Harold Camping's. Remember, 1964, I'm listening to preaching from the pulpit that the communists were going to take over America in 67. I'd only be 10. Scared me to death. Then I go and watch John Birch films of the, of the Poles being butchered by the Soviets coming into Germany through Poland after World War II. And, you know, I get to watch that as a child. I get to see people with their tongues cut out. And it's all very scary. But, you know, what, once, who's the last American in America that had their tongue cut out by the Chinese communists? All these fork 1967. All that matters in 67 and 68 is the Detroit Tigers got really good and beat the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm sorry. Meddling with them or listening or reading is cursed. I didn't make this up. I'm thankful that over the years the Lord has shown me enough Bible verses to get me cleaned up in this matter. Because if I were to tell you the whole truth and nothing about nothing but the truth of my 50 years, I have played with these fear mongers and I have been engaged in some activities that I would condemn today. And I thank God for that. And I've been clean for a number of decades now. And I thank Him for that. Meddling, getting involved in, listening to them, participating with them, listening, reading is what meddling is all about, is condemned. The opportunity cost to these people, the reputation cost to these people is huge. The opportunity, they thought the stock market was rigged. So we're never going to invest in the stock market, we're going to own stones. Now to own a few stones, by stones I mean gold, silver, platinum, palladium. Now if you want to own a few stones, that's okay. But they don't earn a return. Just remember that. You say, but if the, if the currency completely disappears, then they'll be worth something. Yes, and if a horse had wings, it'd fly, and you should buy one. <laughs> the stock market is just rigged, huh? Well, then they sure did rig it in our favor. They just rigged it to go up 20 times in the last 50 years. Yes, from a Dow of 600, 700, 800 in the mid-60s to 14,000. A one-world government is not the threat that the Bible tells us, is it? How many world governments? I, need to, I want to hear them named. First world government that God recognized in the book of Daniel. Babylon. Babylon. Next? Persia. Persia. Next? Greece. Greece. Next? Rome. Next? Rome. Kingdom of Jesus Christ. They're so worried about a one-world government. I'm not worried about a one-world government. I'm worried about obeying the government that we've got in this country and being a good Christian under the one-world government 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is ruling the nations with a rod of iron. So what about a one-world government? You know, I like international trade. I like cheap things from China and from Hong Kong and from the Philippines. Do you know where all your furniture comes from? Why do you always look at the sinister side of it? Well, it's just to get us under the Antichrist. That's what they would tell you. But remember, they don't even know who the Antichrist is. Further rebuttal. Why don't you ask them, why are you telling me this? This email that you just sent me, why are you telling me this? To build my faith or my fear? Does it bother you that FEMA has 2,500 armored vehicles? Just wanted, I'm just thinking of examples. Does, it, does that bother anybody? That FEMA has 2,500 armored vehicles? If you read anything about the cleanup operation in New Orleans, where the police department walked off the job because they were not going to face the violence that was in the streets of New Orleans with all the real property owners out of the city, I want FEMA to have some armored vehicles. If things get real bad in this city, I want FEMA to have some armored vehicles to stand between West Greenville and East Greenville. And if I use the wrong terminology, I hope you know what I mean. Why, don't, why do you look at the sinister side of everything? Why is everything sinister? Why is everything evil? Why is there a hidden, dangerous motive to everything they do? Do you want your wife doing that to every decision you make? Do you want your children doing that? Why? Where does that come from? I'm going to tell you where it comes from. It comes from a devilish rebellion against God-ordained authority. And it, it, it infects and affects all five spheres of authority in America, and this nation was built on rebellion. We all think that we are smarter than the king. We all think we can tell the king to get lost. We all think we're smarter than the president. And so children think they're smarter than parents, and wives think they're smarter than husbands, and so forth. Brethren, do you understand the danger and the risk of playing with this kind of stuff? In the light of the Word of God, it says don't. Are you trying to build my faith or my fear when someone wants to put a sinister construction on some event in government? Why don't you appreciate TSA searches of Arabs flying? Does it bother you when you go to the airport that somebody may fondle you? Does it bother you? Does it bother you that you have to put your luggage through some machinery? Why don't you appreciate it? I appreciate it. I think there's other ways of handling hijackers, but if they want to choose that way to do it, I appreciate it. I appreciate the Arab man sitting across the aisle from me having been checked out thoroughly on his way in. How has this secret knowledge helped your family? Ask them that question. This secret top, this top classified information that you got your hands on by doing too much Google searching, how, how has it helped your family? Just ask them some questions. Where in the Bible does it tell you to spread this junk? Where, do, where does the Lord encourage you to do that? If your wife and children did the same thing to you, what would happen to your family? Here's a few that I know about over the years. Ever hear about the black UN helicopters at airports? Probably LaGuardia and JFK. And since the UN is in New York, I would expect them to I would expect there to be some black helicopters there. 
Ever, ever hear about the fluoride in the water is to brainwash you? That's why we're all brainwashed today. That is why we believe the truth of the King James Bible is because we have drank city water that has fluoride in it. That was a political conspiracy to brainwash you. There have been books written. So many books written. Is fluoride a byproduct of aluminum production? Is there a lot of stuff that they can try to put together that's anecdotal about fluoride? Sure, 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 sure. I enjoy our city water. I wish I could have a glass of it right now. New currency is already in the warehouses. It's about to be distributed. They're going to steal your wealth. I've heard that one for decades. I hope they've got guards or something around their warehouses with all this currency. You know, the homogenized milk must be by the Soviet Union to ruin us. Rothschild sit with Lucifer at meetings. Yep, 13 seats at a table in London. The Rothschilds sit there and the 13th seat is for Lucifer. That was the sensational success of a liar named Johnny Todd in 1976. American conservative Christian patriots are the only ones dumb enough to believe Johnny Todd. And that is a shame, and that's what I'm trying to save you from. Oh, none of these matter. Social security cards are the mark of the beast. What a convenient number to have so that I can be known anywhere, anytime as to who I am. You know why they have gun shows, don't you? You know why Greenville has gun shows every couple months? That's to identify all gun owners because they're coming to take away your guns. Don't you know that, don't you? That the reason the government allows us to have gun shows is because they've got a drone overhead taking pictures of you and they know that you like guns and they're going to come and get your guns. It just goes on and on and on. It never ends. The fantasies are unbelievable. And see other people out there who think, know that we're a bunch of fear-mongering, fearful people. And we don't want to be that way. We want to be sound, sober, godly, scriptural. If you can't prove it, I don't care about your hypothesis. I wonder who the spies are in this membership. Every church has spies ordered by Russia. Can we live under President Obama? Gladly. What goes around comes around. Brethren, the Bible says, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We want to submit to authority so that the authority that God has charged us with, those under it will submit to it. All human authority, the five different spheres, and those are husband, father, husband, parent, Master, civil ruler, and pastor or spiritual leader is ordained by God. A man that dishonors civil leaders undermines his marriage. A man that dishonors civil leaders undermines his children's honor of him. A man that dishonors civil leaders dishonors God. Do you remember that from Romans chapter 13? The powers that be are ordained of God, and if you resist the power, then you're resisting God. Even if that power is Nero... Do I know some things about Nero that I have not said to you? Yes. Are they far worse than what I've said to you? Yes. But I'm not even going to tell them to you because they're unnecessary. I am not going to resist even Nero. Just like Paul didn't resist Nero until Nero said, you may not preach in this name. 
And Paul preached anyway. Right. And President Obama, we're going to honor him until he goes up directly against a plain commandment of Scripture. We honor God by honoring the authority that he has transferred to men. The Most High setteth up over at the basis of men. And I really don't even like using this verse. Have any of you seen on the web the use of this verse leading up to the election and applying this verse to President Obama? Psalm 109 and verse 8. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Should we laugh? I know why you're, I know why those of you that did just thinking about somebody using the Bible that way, but, uh uh-uh. That's a double sin. Making fun of the Bible for using it for a purpose other than intended and making fun of our president. If you want to go to the Lord and in all sobriety, beg the Lord for a different leader, then go ahead and do that. But you should be careful even doing that. And, and using this text right here, we want to be careful in even using that. We know exactly where President Obama came from at this time. God sent him to us. The nation wanted him. They created him. He's perfect. There are mighty angels protecting us, and we should never forget that. These verses right here tell us that there are angels involved in the politics of nations. You can't see them. There is stuff going... The stuff that goes on is not classified by our government. The, The stuff that's going on that carries weight is classified in heaven. And there's angels behind great empires, like the angel that was behind the empire of Grisha and the empire of Persia. And so Michael, the archangel, who is the angel of the people of God, came and defended them by helping Gabriel in a matter for the church in the book of Daniel, chapter 10. That's where we want to put our trust. God is judge, and he's going to reward all evildoers and all nations. The nations that forget God shall be turned into hell, according to Psalm 917. He can protect us. He can provide for us and he can prosper us under any ruler. Therefore will not we fear. Like Psalm 91 by Adam today, by Psalm 27. If you fear the future, your faith is incredibly small or it's non-existent. Where's your faith? In light of what we can see in scripture and in light of trusting the God of heaven who gives every creature his breath every day, why are you afraid? What are you afraid of? Nothing happened on Wednesday morning. Nothing happened on Tuesday night. What about Psalm 46? He is a very present help in time of trouble. Why should we fear? How about Psalm 27 that I read to you today? How about Psalm 23? And the Lord is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Prudence sees evil. And it does not imagine or read fear mongers. I understand that the Bible says the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But that's where there's real evil to see. That is not a fantasy land. That is not reading a fear monger. That's not reading a doomsdayer. They've never been right yet. That's not reading a survivalist. That's looking and seeing, oh, I'm about to get killed. I think I'll move. And it will be visible. Things don't happen overnight to where they line up at your door to shoot Christians. You know, some of you think about FEMA having armored vehicles that they're going to pull into this churchyard and assault our building. Really? What would they do with, what would they do here? Why would they be after us? 
we want to be the best citizens. And you say to me, well, there have been martyrs in the past. Do you think anybody died as a martyr that didn't know it was coming? That didn't know that there was a fear of dying as a martyr? That all of a sudden Christians got killed one day and the previous day they were a protected species? It doesn't happen that way. The prudent man does foresee the evil. He looks ahead and sees what could happen and takes ordinary precautions against it because anything beyond ordinary, the Lord thinks that you're trying to do His job. Because except the Lord keep the city, I think we had that from Psalm 127 in verse 1 today by Adam, it will not be kept. Curse not the king. Remember that warning. God ordained civil authority and rulers, so we honor them. Curse not the king. No, not in thy thought. We know the severe curse in the Bible for railing against our rulers. We know the curse for meddling with changes. They'll be destroyed suddenly, and the ruin of them both will take place. You'll change nothing. Nobody has yet. You'll change nothing. It steals your heart and your time, and it breeds contempt. It breeds contempt of authority. It teaches you to despise government and to despise dominion. And we want to honor and appreciate dominion and government and rule and authority for President Obama, for Vice President Joe Biden, for our Congress, for our courts, for our state. Joseph. Think about Joseph in Egypt. Daniel in Babylon. Esther in Persia. They served and prospered under pagans. Only when they were confronted with breaking a commandment of God or the church of God being annihilated did they do anything and they did it respectfully to disobey civil authority. Otherwise, they helped Babylon be the greatest. They helped Egypt be the greatest. Joseph Joseph enacted legislation to make Pharaoh great and own the whole nation by the time that famine was over. God said to Abraham, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. Ten. God would have forgiven cities. God would have overlooked the sin of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for the time that Lot and his family was there if Abraham could have found ten righteous souls. That's a wonderful promise to us. We can help preserve this nation by living godly lives. Effectual fervent prayers by righteous men avail much, James tells us. God turns the hearts of kings, according to this verse, We turn the heart of God by our prayers. Remember, and if you think that I'm being a little ambitious in my statement there, that we turn the heart of God, I'll remind you that Jacob, when he wrestled with God, had his name changed because God said, you have wrestled with God and prevailed. You won the wrestling match. If we will live righteous lives and wrestle with the Lord for our nation, for the sake of our families in it, the Lord can preserve this nation. Saints should remember that there are five great men in the Bible. Can you remember their names? Samuel's one of the great men. Moses. Noah. Daniel. And Job. Five men. They are found in these passages. Those men saved families, cities, or the entire nation by their praying. Their righteous living and their praying. We can be sons of God in a crooked and perverse nation. I'm not denying that we're that as a nation. But what are we going to do in it? We want to live godly, cheerful, upbeat, positive, scriptural, trusting, believing, loving, rejoicing, praising lives. It's our privilege to do that with our own families. 
Remember, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. This is the war that we should be concerned about. The fleshly lusts that war against the soul. Now, a fleshly lust is not always taking LSD or living on a commune and having free sex with anybody. The lust that war against our soul can sometimes be despising government. Because that is the immediate context of this passage. Verses 12 through 17. Then, not getting along with the boss on the job is verses 18 through 22 of the same passage. What are the lusts that war against the soul? That is the war that we should be concerned about. It's not the war on crime. It's not the war in Iraq. It's the war of our lusts against God's word. God doesn't call us to fear, to worry, to try to change government. God has politicians under his feet. He wants you to live for him. America is not our home or nation. We're citizens of a holy nation. There is a war to fight daily. Your lust that war against your soul. Examine yourself in the light of God's word and don't protect anything. If we fight the war God gave us, he'll fight the rest for us. Let's pray for them. The church was under Rome. They had killed Jesus and the apostles, but the saints were to supplicate, to pray, to intercede, and to give thanks for their rulers. And their request, like those in Jeremiah, was for peace and quiet so they could live godly and honest lives. This conduct is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Can we live under him? We're going to live under him. We're going to live well under him. We're going to serve the king of kings under him. We know that he's under the king of kings. And the king of kings has chosen him for us. God gave us Barack Obama for another term. Believe it. Trust him. That is God. Honor the president. Obey him. Pay him. Pray for him. Give thanks for him. Eat, drink, and be merry, which we're about to do. God will take care of us under President Obama. Hate fear. Hate fear mongers. They deny faith. They sow rebellion. Remember, mistrust leads to fantasy, leads to despite, leads to rebellion, leads to sedition. Be cheerful, positive, and thankful as godly, contented Christians. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.